Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for us at keyword World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. Power of water and our planet Earth and what is happening. It is exciting because this show has brought people together from all over the world. We've been in Holland, Ethiopia, Kenya in Copenhagen, um, in Italy, all over the world, in the United States of America, to discuss how important water is in our everyday life. Water can save lives, and water can save the planet. And I would not be surprised if you and I would step aside and look away from Earth and take a peek away from Earth, looking at Earth from the outside to look in at Earth, that we would notice Earth has water, but we want to make sure it's forever. And maybe we should study together and discover what is the influence of Earth on the rest of the solar system because it does have water. We should take that very serious also. And we've been learning that this radio talk show is the only one talking about life-threatening water wars, and we're willing to take a stand. Our guests are fabulous about that. The global water and health crisis, what's happening interviews with global researchers and health and environmental specialists and researchers from all over the world. We've had Nobel Prize winners on, physicians, scientists, people that are out there with everyday challenges uh, with a, a mission to educate and do something about this. Water access and sanitation have been a very important part of many different foundations and uh, governments from all over the world and people like myself and others. And today I'm going to introduce you to a very special guest, Amy Hart. Amy Hart. Amy Hart founded what's called Hart Productions in the 90s, and she has been around the world, and she's been developing, uh, including uh, the UN Conference on po- Population and Development in Cairo and and the World's Social Summit in Copenhagen. And, and then she ventured into television production and, and, and industry and working in New York City. And she then took off and became to positions with PR, which is I, I, public radio marketing. And then she goes over and she's involved with Fine Line Features, where she worked on releases of several Academy Award-winning films. And, and then she decided that she wanted to c- contribute to what is happening with water and documentaries about water around the world. And I can hardly wait for you to meet her today, Amy Hart. And our second guest today is going to be Dwayne Cecil, Ph.D., 
who's a director of the Western Region of Climate Research. With uh, He's been with NASA for many years, U.S. Geological Survey. He's been with us many times and is going to be on with us quite often because rather than taking the shuttle out, it's going to go one more time. We, they're going to study water on our Earth and what we need to learn and the better education and proactive concerns about saving the water and what to do for the future for our generations. And let's bring the word eternity back to our vocabulary. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the surface of your eye, the cornea, is 99% water. Did you know that? And that when you touch it with an eye drop, it floods it, or saline floods it. The eye, the tear film is, it, it's, it has, a, a, it's very challenged with the fact that it's not nature to it, but nature's tears. Eye mist with just a mist can apply that humidity, moisture level that is so important to hopefully replace the moisture loss caused because the air is dry and maybe you're dry. We're going to listen to our sponsor today for our show today, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Amy Hart. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. The power of water has been the concern of this radio talk show for four years now. And Amy, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hello, Sharon. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. And um, I was reading about you, and I just you've uh, taken on this uh, project, I'm sure, for a lifetime. But, Amy, tell us about you and what, why did you decide to empower water? Well, Sharon, as you know, water connects to every major global issue. And when I decided I wanted to make my first documentary film, independent documentary, because I do a lot of work uh, on educational films and public health films, and um, this was a completely independent project, and I wanted to do a uh, do it on a topic that related to a global issue. And as I did the research, I realized that water really was the central issue to every global issue. And I began in 2004 uh, when I first went to Malawi. And I had planned to go to 
every continent on the planet because there are so many issues to cover. Um, but I happened by chance through a connection to get to Malawi, and by chance and uh, a very good fortune, I was able to meet Charles Banda, who is a local Malawian who grew up in a village barefoot without water and had to, you know, go down to streams and carry murky water home mm-hmm. as a boy. Yeah. It's usually a girl's job, but he got to do it too. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started his own water NGO in uh, Malawi called Freshwater Malawi. And there is a web page for that, freshwatermalawi.org. Mm-hmm. And he was an inspiration. And he mm-hmm. saw that water connected to everything. And as he told the story, I thought, this is it. This is the heart and soul. This is a real person on the ground doing the real work for his own people. This is not a Western NGO with a lot of backing and a nice clean home to go home to in New York or whatever. This is somebody on the ground who's taking his every dime to do this project. When he began, he used to buy a loaf of bread for his family, and that was a big treat. A loaf of bread was a big treat for his family. And at the end of the week, he'd come home when he started this working on the water, and they said, you know, where's the bread? <laughs> mm-hmm. And he said, well, I'm saving up to, to drill a well for this village that doesn't have any water and all the people are dying of cholera. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, we're behind you 100%. Oh, wonderful. You know, Amy, uh, I started researching water over 35 years ago, mm-hmm. and I found myself startled. Uh, and I know you're young. I'm 69. Uh, I've been at this a long time. Mm. Uh, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, Water Study yes. Center, and um, Behavior of Dehydration of Life and mm-hmm. what happens there. But I was shocked, Amy, and audience, I want you to know what Amy is saying is happening all over the world. Uh, we're startled at what we're finding, Amy, at, at what was left behind. Yeah. When Earth began, it was with the water. All faith is toward the water. And then all of a sudden we got into this quick fix, whatever that may mean to any one of you, but we left life behind Mm -hmm. the water. Mm -hmm. And why would would we allow 5,000 children a day to die because they don't have water? Why would we even have, and, and, you know, uh, we look at all the unfortunate uh, what's happening with life around Earth, but my gosh, and the intimidations, but my, uh, a child not having what life is all about, water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're giving yourself to that. And now tell me um, about, uh, now, where else, what else have you been doing? You're doing, doing film documentaries. So mm-hmm. you're going in and you're doing documentaries about these human stories. Right. Well, the journey with this particular film, Water First, Reaching the Millennium Development Goals, is I went first in 2004, and mind you, I worked full-time at the University of Albany in the School of Public Health Mm -hmm. doing broadcasts on public health issues. Mm -hmm. And now I live in New York, and I work at the New York Academy of Medicine, where I'm the founder and director of public health productions. And in both, both places, the focus is on public health, and obviously... 
um, water is an enormous public health issue. So this has been my passion project, and I've gone back to to Africa a number of times, and we've brought Charles Banda here a number of times, and now we do fundraisers with the film uh, to to drill wells and do comprehensive water and sanitation projects. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, clean water is great, but uh, you know you've got to have the latrines and you've got to have the hand washing. And well, the I've had the United Nations on from two different countries and head here yeah. and out of New York, one of them, and the other one was out of England. And, you know, I just say it the way it is, Amy. Maybe don't blame it on aging, but you have to have fresh water and you have to have the sanitation to where you have the toilet, you get to wash your hands, you flush the toilet and you wash your hands. Now, I'm, well, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to be careful luxury. about what I just said because the world doesn't understand. There's people all over the world that do not have anything like that at all. And then they wonder why disease is out of control. It's unbelievable. I did a a production in southern Sudan last year for UNICEF on water and sanitation there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've heard a lot from the Enough Project about the the war in in Sudan, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're finally getting their independence and everything, but it's been ravaged by war. And one of the results is that there's no water sanitation, and I needed to do a shoot with uh, a latrine. And Mm -hmm. we spent hours and hours going from village to village to village, not a toilet, a latrine, a pit latrine, basically an outhouse. You couldn't even find that. Right. So, and, and, you know, just the basics of hand washing and everything, people have, you know, they've just lost And, and you know, Amy, there is no excuse. Poverty. There is no excuse for on our planet Earth mm-hmm. to have that happening. You know, I will share with you something when this happened in Haiti, you know, the horrible tragedy and... And uh, here I am sitting behind a desk doing what I'm doing, and I thought, oh, gosh, if I had the time and the availability and the done, I'll go grab uh, all these water companies to come in and get the water to them, and then I'm going to go over and get the pipes to them, and then I'm going to make sure the oil companies can contribute to the drilling and make sure we have some new water and then get the pipes over to those tent mm-hmm, cities mm-hmm. and get over to the tent cities, showers and tents to detoxify. And then we'd have sanitation tents. You know, I mean, my gosh, Amy, it's common sense. It is. And, it and is. you wonder so when, uh, yeah, the oil companies are known from all over the world for an enormous amount of charity uh, at digging uh, what they need to dig and uh, to go in and dig the water for the water and bring it up, take the pipes over the top of the ground, don't worry about burying them, bring them over the top of the ground, take them over to the tent cities, and make sure these people are tr- treated with respect yes. and and, yes. and base integrity, most basic necessity, and we're actually looking for a drill rig. So, if there's an oil company out there that would like to help us get a drill rig for Freshwater Project Malawi, let us know. Mm-hmm. Okay, because well, let's see what we can do with our feelers there. That's something we really need because they their drill rig broke down, which you'll see in the film, mm-hmm. and it's been very difficult. So, mm-hmm. you know, we need a new mm-hmm. drill rig there, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hand, the hand dug wells aren't deep enough, and there's too much contamination. Yeah, have you done but, any studies with the tube wells? We had a guest on from New Jersey. Uh, he's a student from, uh, he's from a family for originally from India. He lives in New Jersey, and I can email you who he is. And um, he uh, has went over to his home, family's home in India, and came home back to New Jersey and decided, you know, I'm going to raise a thousand dollars to build tube wells. 
then all mm. of a sudden these different students started building, uh, raising $1,000 to build tube wells. And I asked him, I said, well, tube well, because it made sense, but more powerful hydraulic and the narrower the tube, the water could come up. And uh, they started that. And uh, it was exciting to hear it. So there's a lot of different efforts going on. I was a guest at the Blue Mountain um, uh, area uh, school district there in Upper New York last spring, and the faculty uh, had said that they were going to have, when they came back from spring vacation, a break, a study of water. So I went up there about two weeks before spring break, and they brought the school, the kids uh, into the assembly, and uh, they thought, well, maybe the subject would be a little boring, Amy. So they had the faculty full force and the principal in this audience and uh, with the kids and thinking that an hour might be a little long. Amy, uh-huh. it lasted for an hour and a half. I missed my yeah, train. And, it was exciting. You could hear a pin break at fall, yeah. Amy, because I mi- what I did is I related them personally, individually, to mm-hmm. water, their walking water, to the water of the earth. Right. So when people learn that your water, you came out of that pocket of water, and I said that in the audience when I started. Now remember, audience, you came from a pocket of water into the air we're bleeding, and you're living not in water but a fluid that you can't see, but it's water in the air, but you're mostly water. So when yeah. you're walking earth and you're realizing how important water is to you every day to drink, eat at least eight to ten glasses of fresh, clean water, you get the right diet to be able to digest your uh, what you're eating is digesting, and but yet keep retaining the f- fluid of the water, not dehydrating beyond what you could handle. But look out at Earth and take a look at who, who doesn't have right. the water, who doesn't yeah, have it. The the students really do respond, and I've shown the film in in high schools and colleges all over the place, and conferences and so on and so forth. And one of the things, you know, especially the college level, they really uh, see through the film how it relates to all of the Millennium Development Goals set forth by the UN in the year 2000 to reduce poverty and the suffering it causes in developing nations. And, you know, we really point out in the film that water connects to relieving poverty, to allowing girls to go to school because they don't have to spend all day hauling water, to empowering women and reducing child mortality and maternal mortality, and to reducing the spread of disease, even HIV, AIDS, and malaria and other diseases. People need water to stay healthy and to protecting the environment because if people don't have clean water and they have to get it from a murky stream or a whole in the the ground, then they have to boil the water. That means they have to chop down trees. So the deforestation is another huge problem in a lot of developing nations, definitely in Malawi and other countries in Africa. And then when it comes to development, to economic development, how do you expect to build a factory and, you know, raise people up out of poverty if they don't even have clean water to work, to drink. They, they won't be able to go to work. They well, there's are, no, soci- there's the no culture, society, um, yeah. because if you're not drinking water, your, your attitude is angry because you're dehydrating to death. The, uh, the brain is 80 to 90% water and the eyes are connected to the brain. The, the oxygen and the fluid in the body is no longer a ro- moving river in the body. You're stagnant. You're polluted. Mm-hmm. If you're not drinking enough water, and if they're not having any water, uh, and they're having to live on what, 
um, and this, this is where, why I got so serious so long ago, Amy. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got started studying the behavior of human life, organism, if you don't have water, and uh, the organism itself connected to where you're living and where all the life around the world. And our second guest today is Dwayne Cecil on a PhD, and I've had Dwayne on several times. He was with NASA for many years, and he was with the U.S. Geological Survey, and now the, I had asked him, uh, Amy, about uh, what happens now when the shuttle goes one more time. How are they going to study Earth? Because the I looked at it, Amy, is a study of Earth from out away from Earth. And uh, then he said, Sharon, we're going to study the water of the Earth. Water. Yeah. And he said he goes you know, places to speak, Amy, and they'll say, well, okay, you're going to study water, and what else are you going to study? He said, water one, water two, and water three, Amy. That right. should make your day. Right. And it's great that we're spending, you know, millions if not billions of dollars looking at water from space or or seeing if there's water on Mars. But, you know, $6,000 can buy a well and give water to thousands of people. So I would love to see, you know, the human effort turn towards the grassroots needs, you know, the billion people without water. There's a lot we can do. Right. Um, We've we've provided water to more than 20,000 people with less than $20,000. If you work with a grassroots organization, Mm -hmm. we're all volunteer here in the U.S., Mm-hmm. So everything goes directly there, and mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference because, you know, the girls can go to school. If girls go to school, if they don't drop out because they have to spend all day hauling water or there's no pit latrines for privacy, they end up dropping out if they don't have that. If they have it and they can continue going to school, they get an education, they make better decisions for themselves. We're going to they... take a moment with our sponsor, Amy, and I'm going to come back okay. and mention when you mentioned if they don't have the proper water and sanitation, they may not live very long either, too, Amy, because we have 5,000 children dying a day because they don't have the water. And that goes more than just the uh, common sense water. It's the sanitation that goes with it. Amy, don't go anywhere. I'm going to be right okay. back because you have a lot to teach us. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Mist with Just a Mist. We'll be right back with Amy Hart. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Amy, we were talking, um, you know, you say on here, um, uh, healthy uh, water first, and 
mm-hmm. and uh, all of us and what we can do. But, Amy, you are a leading force in this. It, um, I don't think I ran into A lot of people are doing a lot. But you took it upon yourself to start in, in the direction that I'm really a believer that will have an impact. And whatever I can do to assist you, I would like to assist. But it says water first. Um, well, thanks. We're looking for volunteers. We really yeah. are. Um, you know, the more people that want to get involved, the better. And just let's get contact Klein and Howard to give you some first. assistance there. Um, I've been on for four years here soon, Amy, uh, coming mm-hmm. on. And when I was asked if I wanted to do a radio talk, and with my background and what I do, and all of a sudden I said, "Well, I, I want to call it the power of water." Yeah. And people looked at me four years ago, Amy, and said, what? But I've been in water research for so long, and I decided, and what's so important for living on this earth with each individual to want to be proactively healthier every day, and I knew they couldn't do it without water first and then nutrition mm-hmm. second. But mm-hmm. now tell me about what you're doing out there. And, and we talked about... Uh, people who are, de- I, I, I'll go another direction, they're dehydrating to death. And when they're not living long and they're living with broken arms, broken backs, broken ankles, carrying the water, and it's not healthy water. And, mm-hmm. uh, but they're at least trying. They're, they're giving it their all to survive their family that they care so much about. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, is hap- what do you think we as a planet can do besides the obvious? Is there another direction to go? Uh, well, I think we would have to make it a top priority. Um, you know, we get together at the UN every year, every September. Last, uh, U- the UN conference last year was on the MDGs, and yet it was barely covered in the in the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an incredibly important issue. Half, well, most of the people in the in the U.S. don't even know what MDG stands for, the Millennium Development Goals. These are our goals that we've decided as a human race that we're going to address. We're going to make a difference. We're going to help people with less means than we have to get the basic necessities in life. And water relates to every one of them. Well, you just said something, and I need to bring something to you, for you to think about in the audience. Through the years when I've been studying Amy, Amy on this, I was a little annoyed and concerned and alerted uh, that when they started this huge movement called environment, 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 and they were going by the millions and millions and somebody was making a billion dollars doing it out there, they never once put a priority water. And I kept thinking they were coming, they were coming like the field of dreams, Amy. But people mm. on, in our audience and around the world became confused because environment meant what? energy consciousness, pollution of the air, whatever. And I kept thinking, well, surely they're going to come along. And I just found out uh, after all this time uh, along the way, uh, it, you and I are going to have to, and others like us, are going to have to sh- prove what environment means, water first. It's like oh, Wayne Cecil yeah. said, too. It is always going to be water. It will be water. It should be the most concern of everyone environmentally is water first. Right. And, so and congratulations you know, to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But that's that's one of the things, you know, one of the MDGs is, is protecting the environment. Well, if we chop down all the trees to boil water, and to, for all the other reasons we chop down trees, um, you know, there will be no water because the trees actually 
promote the generation of groundwater, you know, through the moisture and the exchange of humidity in the air. And, and without them, we won't have groundwater. So it's very, very important to uh, work against, you know, deforestation and really support the forestry efforts so that we do have water and to integrate those, those uh, efforts as much as possible. I've had on here uh, Jerry Barnes, who is a genetic specialist in different countries, have pulled him in with a pine seed that when you can grow trees faster and if you should cut down a tree, you start planting trees. Exactly. And I've said to um, the world out there in our government that when you, way back in time, they should have been planting trees as they took down trees, way back in time, because this we have in a government called uh, different divisions of the government where scientists, that's their expertise. It's like you go to a heart surgeon for heart. You go to a kidney surgeon for uh, a kidney specialist for kidneys. I've never heard them once say, hey, wait a minute, da-da. Um, but what we didn't do in our country as a government is think about working together way back in time, that if you take a tree down, let's put a tree there. And yeah. the tree means that the roots grow and the grits begin, begin to f- f- go through the soil and down into touching as far deep as they can go to the rock so that the moisture that comes down from this precipitation of the air, the rains as they come down, or fluid of the air that before the rains, all of a sudden keeps the soil at a temperature, and then the aquifers begin to absorb it first, and then once the aquifers fill up, the trees then are there to filter that up through the tree, through the trunk, and through to the sky, to the air, to be able to have a moisture in the air. And the more trees you have... Right. around the more moisture you have in the air to collect. We've had organic farmers on here, Amy, when mm-hmm. back east in South Dakota that they only had four inches of rain with turnover of soil well, throughout the season to draw the moisture out of the air to the temperature of the soil. Yeah. There's things to learn and there's things to be educated to our uh, audience. You and I are connected to the water st- study and the water subject and there are people that are not that's not going to be able to they they have no time Uh, their world is doing something else our world is the subject of water well let me tell you one of the fundraisers that we did to help people understand what this issue is really like we had and this was head headed by our water angel 16 year old hannah cashin in hudson new york thank you hannah she had everybody she came up with this she had everybody carry an empty jug of water through uh-huh. her family farm to uh-huh. a stream and then fill that water in, in the cold autumn air, fill uh-huh. the, the j- empty jugs, carry two of them each. Little, smaller people could carry one, but a lot of people carried two gallons uh-huh. of water all the way around the farm. Oh. And, and then they got home and they went, wow, wow, that's harder than I would have thought. You know, we yeah. kind of complain when we have to carry our groceries from the car to the <laughs> kitchen. Yeah, or from the subway to our apartment buildings here yeah. in New York. Um, yeah. But, you know, to carry water, you really understand, like, that it's is heavy. a distance. And water there's a billion people that have to yeah. go miles to get even a jug or a bucket of water. And then it's not clean. It's dirty water. And I really believe that we can change this if we make well, it a and priority. Yeah, and we, mean. you know, we prioritize it on the on the yeah. international level, the national level, the local level. Sixteen-year-olds doing fundraisers. That we can make exciting. a difference. Oh my gosh! I, you know, I have to share one when I had the United Nations from New York on. I said, you know, we were talking about this, and what you just said, this, a story of that similarity, but the people that are carrying the water for everyday survival. 
And I said, oh, my gosh, something just came to my mind. And Amy, you being a producer, I said, oh, my gosh, you could fall down. And then all of a sudden you have to start all over, Amy, and go back because you yeah, don't dare we, go home we, without we have it. plastic jugs with caps on them. The, the girls in Malawi carry, you know, five-gallon buckets on top yeah. of their head and over, yeah. you know, bumpy paths barefoot yeah. with prickers in their heels. Oh, and, yeah, and, and I might have been told they've been getting injured because of the – the bones are getting brittle, and of course, oh, I. But they, now, actually, their bones get strong. It's a really good way to fight osteoporosis. Go carry your oh. water. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a way I, I, I'm into dehydration studies, so I'm looking at they're not getting enough water to drink and enough bathing to keep the moisture level of the body flexible. So I'm looking at it, but uh, I had never heard about uh, uh, that uh, working for that. <laughs> they are strong. One time oh, I, oh, I bet they're strong. For UNICEF yeah. in southern Sudan, and I was up on top of the UNICEF truck. Actually, uh-huh. that was one in Kenya. I was trying to get down from the top of the truck, and I was like, and I had the camera gear in my hand, <laughs> like six feet off the ground, seven feet, whatever. It was a big truck. And I said, can, can a couple of men come and help me get down? And then the women looked at me like, what? Are you crazy? And they went and they grabbed me and they just plucked me off of there yeah. like I was as light as a feather. They are strong. Let me tell you, those women no, are Amy, strong. where did you grow up? You were in a tomboy. <laughs> yeah, By the way, I, did you I, grow I was, up in I was a swimmer. I was a swimmer. Oh, you were, I was an AAU official in swimming. Oh, you know, I mean, like my I daughter swimmers two year round. You know. Now, did you grow up in Wisconsin? I was born and raised half of my childhood in Wisconsin, and my mother's family has been home-based in Honolulu, Hawaii, for oh. more than 100 years. Okay. So I spent half of my childhood there. Well, did you watch and the Super Bowl yesterday? Oh, I did, and I'm really happy for my Yeah, I was going to say, Amy, you had a good day <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> and congratulations uh, to the... Wisconsin team, um, that was exciting. It was a good game, and I was happy for them, too. It was fun. It was My really father fun. grew up in Wisconsin, but ended up coming. I'm in Oregon, um, and he grew up in Ladysmith, Wisconsin. My grandfather was a fire chief there. But I noticed on your, I had to bring it up, uh, and I, I we're dating our show here today, but um, your Wisconsin team um, <laughs> won yesterday, and it was an excellent game for everybody to watch. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. And a lot of I'm good game. really glad and, for my family. That and I was won. very I, proud of yeah. America coming from the event of the day and the way they presented to the world who, who we are from where we're at and what we do. Now, but we've only got about one more minute. Uh, I'd uh, love to have you on again on some of your special projects that you'd like the world to hear about and what we can do to raise capital funding for okay. you and so on. May I give you the website? Yes. What is the website? Well, waterfirstfilm.org okay. is for the film and freshwatermalawi.org for okay. freshwater Malawi okay. and we'd love volunteers and if anybody wants to give us drill rig we're ready we're ready well let's plan on a link or something going on here because uh, I think I can we've got some relationships out there this show has been Amy had some very fascinating people on and they're all supportive of the power of water being a big deal project. So I want to thank you for joining us. You keep up the thank good you. work. And uh, we'll get back to you about a link. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. I really enjoyed that. Uh, she's uh, giving her heart and soul to this, and you can see that she's getting somewhere with the power of water becoming a primary focus in the environment. The environment means water. We're going to listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dwayne Cecil. We've had Dwayne on here before. 
He's a Ph.D., dedicated to what he's been doing all of his adult life and concerned about the environment. We'll be right back with Dwayne Cecil. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dwayne, are you with us? I'm here. Thank you for joining us again. I really appreciate it. And last time when you were with us, Tell us what, what you learned at the conference. You were at an environmental conference, and you can explain to us what you were doing. Oh, yeah, so I was at the American Meteorological Society's annual meeting excuse me, in Seattle. I'm fighting a little bit of a head cold, so okay. um, it might, might sound like I'm, I'm talking from a bucket. <laughs> excuse me. Okay, anyway, you sound okay um, to me. The conference uh, this year, the, the thing that uh, really stood out to me is the, the cross-disciplinary nature of the, the concern in the environment, the concern on natural resources, and, and climate variability and change just being one of the drivers that, that are changing the availability of, of particularly water. And the cross-section of folks from private industry, academia, outside the meteorological and, and climate science fields uh, what really struck me is, is the keen interest of, of folks trying to get information on how is the weather, how are the weather and the climate changing in my area, in my community, and how are we going to respond to that among the, the many other drivers that, that we're all trying to respond to, including urban sprawl and overpopulation and, mm-hmm. and energy usage and energy resources and how, how is, the weather and, and how are the weather and the climate affecting those? And the cross section of folks at, at this year's meeting was just staggering. I mean, social sciences, uh, economic sciences, decision makers from small municipalities and large cities, and uh, governors' association representatives, and, and just the, the cross section of folks that are trying to get as much knowledge and information as they can get their hands so on. So everybody can be proactively participating at different uh, – it's almost like uh, people want to be a member of a team knowing 
that everybody will have a different position on the team, whether you be down in the trenches to the places of people conducting the projects and seeing them through. You mentioned uh, when we talked about it the Native American Indian, which fascinated me. Uh, you mentioned how intrigued you've been, how much they know. Yeah, it's it's really eye-opening when you get a chance to sit with some of the committees and working groups that the, the tribal nations have put together themselves to interact with the communities around them and response, again, to all kinds of, of drivers on the landscape. And they've taken a little bit different approach. They take more of a, I guess, um, being from the Caucasian community, we, we call it a holistic approach. They really look at, um, you know, they have five sacred things. Most tribes have at least five sacred things. And, and one thing that pops up in, in all the the, the uh tribes that I've talked to and interacted with is water. It, it really is sacred, and they looked at it more as, than just a natural resource that is essential to life. It really is a, a spiritual thing for them, and so they take more of an approach that I think we really ought to adopt more in the science community, and, and we are. We really are starting to look across all the disciplines, all the sectors, whether it's agriculture, forestry, economics, Whatever it is, we're, we're trying to take more Every of a systems approach and look at the interaction of, of all the things and how vital water resources really are to that. And, and we can learn from the tribal communities that, that again, hold water as, as one of their sacred entities. Um, you know, we can really learn from them how they're, they're taking an approach to, to planning and responding to all kinds of changes on the landscape. I bet you if you go into, I want, as you were talking, uh, Dwayne, I was thinking about other countries of the world. Can you imagine way far back into different countries that the, 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 and the culture that began first uh, probably took a priority to certain, like the water that others that came along in time and, and decades and centuries later uh, forgot how important the water was to the origination of the culture that began in that spot. Um, yep. Like our, and here in America, American Native Indians um, uh, would be um, a very, they would find it very important that in their faith and their tribal um, uh, sanctionings uh, that they would find water to be vital to existence of the nature of where we're all coming from. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Personal experience with that is uh, we're we're putting together a, a pilot, we being NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, along with other partners of ours and, and stakeholders of ours in the federal sector. We're putting together a, a demonstration, an end-to-end demonstration of what we really mean by climate services mm-hmm. in the Columbia Basin. And that naturally, in the Columbia River Basin in the Pacific Northwest, that naturally is transboundary and international. So we've been working closely with the Canadians, who, frankly, are a little bit ahead of us um, in terms of, of planning across their basin, their part of the basin, and mm-hmm. and how they're going to work together with, with tribes in Canada. And so it's international. It's also um, uh, it goes transboundary, trans-international boundary, but it's also transcultural boundary and when we bring the Canadian tribes in and their perspective and the American tribes in and their perspective, they have to be a full partner at the table and uh, along with small municipalities, large cities, uh, ranchers, we're trying to get a cross-section of, of folks across the basin and frankly we need, 
we need to have contrarians working with us as well. The, the folks that, for whatever reasons, uh, feel like there's no human influence on, on climate variability and change, that it's all natural. I mean, you know, we need to have those views as well, and they need to be mm-hmm. at the table. We need to respond to those views as we plan how we're going to react to the impacts that we see, whatever the drivers are, natural and, and human drivers that are changing the climate and, and causing more variable climate. And we all see it. If you think about community you've lived in, if you're a, um, an adult that's, that's been active in the community for 30, 40 years, and you think how, that, how the weather's changed in that period of time, you know, we, we shouldn't concentrate so much on are they natural or, or human-induced drivers, although we, we need to put some attention to that. The fact is that our environments are changing. The water resources are becoming um, less available for lots of reasons, overpopulation, invasive species. How are we going to respond to that? Mm-hmm. And, and all members of our communities and our, our regions should be involved in in planning on how we're you going to mentioned respond. something, Dwayne, there that I like to bring to attention to people, and I try to remind myself, is we're living with the earth. It's not going to live with it. We cannot say, hey, you came into my house. Um, you sit in that chair. There, you know, we're living with the earth. And we have to learn how to flow with the earth and what is happening and what is the earth expecting from us. How do, how do you feel about that? Oh, absolutely. I've seen, depending on what model you look at and, and, and which author you go to or which science group you go to, I've seen calculations that if on this planet, if we want to live a Western lifestyle, like a, like an American lifestyle or Canadian or, or European, a Western lifestyle, which many developing countries in the world, including the largest two, China and India, they really are striving to, to live a, a lifestyle like we're living. And, and I've seen calculations that this planet, the natural resources that are readily available at the surface of this planet, can sustain about a half a billion people indefinitely on a Western lifestyle. Well, we're approaching 7 billion right now, and by the year 2035, it's projected we'll be at 9 billion. We can't keep tapping the natural resources in the lifestyle that, that we have been accustomed to, we all have to start thinking about how, do we, how can we conserve, and there's really easy things that we can do to conserve, uh, put in efficient flush toilets and, mm-hmm. and be really selective on how we water our landscapes around our homes. You know, because I always have in front of me, uh, Dwayne, the, the population around the world and U.S. population how it grew in one week, and I don't mention it very often, but every once in a while I do. And last week, the population of our planet grew by 1,460,582 people. Yep. The population on Earth is today, as of today's records, 6,898,469,814 people. So you're saying by 2035, uh, our population will have grown to about 9 billion, which that looks like it might be. And uh, we need to consider that we're living on this planet together as nature, with nature of people, that we need to be more proactive. But, you know, every time I think about this when you're talking, Dwayne, I think of each person becomes a member of a team, 
um, you know, it's kind of like I was uh, Amy Hart, who was on before you. I saw on her paperwork she was grew up in Wisconsin. As you know, yesterday was the American Super Bowl, and uh, we had uh, the Wisconsin team and the Pittsburgh team, and uh, Wisconsin won. But it's a team. You come out to play a team uh, together. Every member of the team has to participate in their position. They don't start playing another person's position normally. On Earth, you're saying to us, we need to start positioning ourselves from the new baby being born, and as the baby becomes a toddler and and becomes a, a lot with life, to concern concern themselves with the Earth they're living with. They're living with, not so much that the Earth owes them, but what do they owe to the Earth, and we need to learn that together. Absolutely. You know, it's a, I'm glad you brought up the Super Bowl. I, I have to... I have to <laughs> pause for a minute and take us off on a little bit of a tangent. I'm, Let's do I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin. My bachelor's oh. degree is from the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, and so oh. I, I was very happy with the outcome. But, I, you know, when you listen to the interviews after the game of the Packers, mem- members of the Green Bay Packers team, to a man, they all talked about teamwork. And, you know, you hear that a lot in sports, but you know, you're absolutely correct that we, we, we have to start thinking about being – an active part of our communities. Uh, we have to start thinking about how our communities fit in our region and how our regions fit in our, in our nation. And, and we all have to start thinking about can we live a comfortable lifestyle that we've be- become accustomed to in this country with less impact on the environment. And it, it really is an easy thing to do if we just start thinking about what it is we're doing and, 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 and how often we, we get in our cars and drive when we could easily walk and just simple things and you know if we all start doing that well know, and start it's, talking it's, about nine billion people that's a huge impact on this planet you know Dwayne, something i've learned through my years of being involved in the community so far back and you know it, <coughs> excuse me the children of the community is where to me to start actually i've always said as long as i can remember i'm the founder of save a child's life foundation and I was just saying to the board of directors recently of the foundation, I said, you know, children, children, children. Everything should start with children because they have a tremendous amount of influence on the, on the adults. And <laughs> parents and adults listen. And if the children get actively involved, they do certain things to get excited. They do certain things with enthusiasm. But they're, they're doing things to make a difference. And uh, it's like these children's, uh, the, the tube wells that are happening out there and the different children that are active in schools to give other children of the world a chance to have a water, a well in their countries. Back to us and our country. Uh, we have had a lot of water throughout our country, and like Canada has a lot of water, by the way, and our country has water and a lot of influence from the water of Canada because of Canada's waters. What is on the agenda that you've been learning that you're going to be focusing on with the water? Is there something in particular that we could talk about here real briefly about what's because what, what, you can't take it all at once. Are you picking out something to start with that people start working uh, on, on maybe a slogan or something that they participate in in, in the communities? Well, I, I'll go back to the, the Columbia Basin uh, demonstration that, that we've been working on for Oh, about two years now, and, and it looks like we're going to really get the thing ticked off this year. And, you know, with tight budgets in Canada and tight budgets in the federal sector in the U.S., 
it, it becomes more difficult to to bring the resources to the table to really demonstrate what it is we mean by by water conservation and, and planning for the future with climate variability and change as, as the impact driver. Uh, but given that we do all have tightened budgets, it, it becomes paramount that then we work together more and leverage our funds and, and leverage our people. And so we're, we're discussing this with Canadians. We have uh, transboundary water agreements with the Canadians in the Columbia Basin. And it's extremely important that, that they bring their resources to the table. We bring mm-hmm. our resources to, mm-hmm. to the table and we work together. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that is a real example of how we're going across departments in the federal sector, we're going across agencies in the federal sector, and we're, bringing, we're going from Department of Defense to Department of Energy and everything in between. And how do we bring our resources to the table together, people, money, in these communities? And the community leaders, they, they have to be with us right from the conceptual stage. So often in the federal sector, we'll do a scientific study and we'll go to a community, some community in, in say, Portland, Oregon, in, in the Columbia Basin and say, Here's, here are the results of our scientific studies, and this is how it can help you. Well, it's not what they needed. No. But we, we, don't, we can't approach it that way anymore. No. They have to be with us in the conceptual stage. They have to be at the, at the foundation. Right at the very beginning. They've got the to be there, and, and we've taken that. We did a, a small pilot, that, and, you, and, and all this information, if it isn't available right now, will be available soon mm-hmm. on climate.gov. So if, mm-hmm. if your listeners get a chance, please go to climate.gov. Take a look at what we're, we're attempting to do uh, more community-wise across the federal sector and, and be more of a part of our communities across the nation. And, and if you don't see something there that, that you think we ought to be doing, please let us know. Yeah, involve themselves with it, with a, an approach to uh, social media. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I wanted to mention to you before we go today, we only have a, about a minute and a half, Tell us about the latest uh, report on the sun. Do you know anything about what uh, the, they were talking uh, about the sun and what is happening on some studies? And, and oh, if, yes. Tell us a little yeah. bit about that. I'm glad you brought that up because there, uh, there was a couple sessions at this, this past American Meteorological Society annual meeting in Seattle a couple weeks ago. There were, were a couple sessions on solar, on space weather. And the need in this country to build up our, along with our, our uh, partners in the international community, uh, build up uh, a fleet of observational satellites. And that's what mm-hmm. this information that you just saw in the last couple of days are okay. a, a couple satellites that are flying in tandem that mm-hmm. NASA has put up around the sun so that we can monitor the occurrence of sunspots and see how that affects weather here on the planet, how it mm-hmm. affects communications. Mm-hmm. And we, we could have... Uh, uh, an incident of, of space weather that would shut down communications on this planet. That's what I was uh, wondering about, if we could every once in a while hear a little bit more from you on um, uh, sometimes about what they're learning about that, because a lot of people, I, I've often wondered what would happen if we had a shutdown somewhere, and people forget it could be the space doing it. Absolutely. I'd be happy to talk about that in the future, and it, and it also could affect our energy grid. Exactly. We could have the energy grid shut down by, by something that's happening in space, and we have to have mm-hmm. some kind of early warning for that as much as we possibly Now, what about, uh, I'm going to take one more minute on this, what about, it, let's say we decided to get into more solar uh, and heating and electrical and more, uh, and then all of a sudden there's a shutdown 
and all of, you don't have anything. Well, that actually, could be affected too. Actually, if you have if you have solar panels in your home, we're always going to have the, the energy from the sun. But if the if the if the energy grid, the community and the regional energy grid gets shut down, actually having solar panels on your home and not being on the grid would be ideal. So okay, that, so thank you. So if we did you. lose the energy grid, you'd have backup in your own homes. Okay, because it, it would already have had the solar energy applied to before the incident happened. Exactly. And you're not tied into the, not necessarily connected for 100% of your, of your energy consumption tied into the grid, and, and we're seeing more and more of that, too. Okay. Well, we're out of time, and I can hardly wait for the next time, Dwayne. I hope, I really appreciate you giving us time. Oh, you bet. It's my pleasure. Okay. And you have you a nice day. Take you. care of your cold, and, and congratulations to the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Thank and you. by the way, I need to tell you, I am a Pittsburgh fan, but I was really happy for the Green Bay Packers. Well, thank you. Okay, you have a nice a day. Game. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Earth does have secrets, and we're learning about a lot of that today, didn't we? And then we're also knowing that Earth is whispering. Don't ever say goodbye, and the reason I say that is because that way you can become part of the team. You can be proactively joining all of us on what we need to learn more about water and the energy of the environment and water. And now we're learning about what we can do with the sun. I want to thank you for listening. I, want to, I know you will have a very special day, and uh, I wish you the best and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.